Welcome to the Odyssey Podcasts. This is Jean Cavellos, Director of Odyssey. Odyssey is an intensive six-week workshop for writers of fantasy, science fiction, and horror whose work is approaching publication quality. Odyssey is held each summer on the campus of St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire. Adult writers from all over the world apply. Only 16 are admitted. Top authors, editors, and agents serve as guest lecturers. For more information, visit www.odysseyworkshop.org. Podcast number 19 is an excerpt from a lecture Barry B. Longyear gave at Odyssey in the summer of 2008 on revision and writing your own unique stories. The text of this recording is copyright 2008 by Barry B. Longyear. The sound recording is copyright 2008 by Odyssey Writing Workshops. Rewriting has become, curiously enough, one of my big joys in life. I mean, a computer is so wonderful for that. Now, when I first started writing, uh, not only would I not do any rewriting, I wouldn't even read through my stuff. Through the machine once, uh, stick it in the envelope and send it off. I was afraid to look over the thing because I was afraid of finding a mistake, and I hated typing so much. You know, I just and I'm, I'm a fanatic about turning in a clean manuscript. That I, I just didn't want to find a mistake that I'd have to, you know, retype a page or something, and so I wouldn't even look at it. And. Uh, after, uh, after enemy mine, I don't know, after about a year of uh, publishing stuff, that's when <laughs> uh, my wife, who is, uh, she, she's the one who goes out and learns things uh, about computers and stuff, she uh, got me a computer. Actually, uh, it was a dedicated word processor, an old jobby, you know, called a Wang something writer, I can't remember what it was, big monster thing. God, it's amazing. This was in 79 or 80, 79, I think. Uh, $11,000 for that thing. And those, in those dollars, you know, I was just sitting there, my God, you know, my car cost less than that. But then I discovered how easy it was to do rewriting. And so I started looking, because all the retyping, the machine did, you know. And uh, that's when I started getting fascinated with uh, uh, story problems and fixing them. I don't know, I, I, you know, I think of myself as a story mechanic. You know, uh, okay, this isn't working, why? You know, we can put the old leads on it and see where the meter goes and uh, then how do you fix it? And uh, I don't know, I, what she was talking about, about tossing out a pile. Now one of the things I don't do is outline stories. I don't know where I'm going when I climb into a story. Usually I will have my point of view character and I can get in that character's shoes and look around and see what he sees and where he is and you know enough of the background to uh, get going and you know what he's after as far as the character goal. And I might know uh, what he's up against in the way of an obstacle but I really don't know where it's going because frankly if I know where it's going it kind of bores me stiff you know my, my my big thrill in writing is i get to be the first one who reads it you know 
Unfortunately, a lot of times uh, that involves going down some well-trodden paths and uh, in some really stupid situations. And every now and then I really paint myself into a corner. And, you know, uh, the most I ever had to throw out at one hunk was 90,000 words. You know, well, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, it was, you know, one of the problems a lot of uh, new writers and old writers have is that I put all this work in on this. So I've got, you know, this this has got to sell. This has got to figure in somehow. And I discovered a very important truth from poker playing, which I don't do anymore either. <laughs> but... Uh, it was something that was explained to me a long time ago. Because there are a lot of people, if they put a lot of money into the pot, and they've got crap for cards, but they think because they put all this money into the pot, they have an obligation to hang in there. And a man explained to me, once the money goes into the pot, it is no longer yours. This is not a market investment. <laughs> you know, if your cards suck, you know, fold. Oh, okay. <laughs> and basically, if if you find you've got 90,000 words that aren't going anywhere, or boring as hell, or tedious, or a, a, a thing I fall into every now and then is working out a background that I should basically, you know, work out the background, then go write the story. Uh, but sometimes, you know, I get caught up in... Uh, my own little world there, and I start, you know, looking at this corner, and that corner, and the other corner, and if anybody reads this stuff, you go, Jesus Christ, when's he going to get on with the story, you know? <laughs> and that's the stuff that, you know, I need, I need to, but I don't throw it away, actually. It goes into, uh, I have a, a manuscript form set I have on my computer, I made up myself, which is uh, my note one, uh, I've got hyperlinks in there so I can hop around in there good. It's got an alphadex which has the names of all my characters and stuff and what they look like and, and any terms I've used and the names of places and stuff. And it's got any articles that I've gotten from the internet, you know, for research purposes so I can find them. And it's also got a thing called dump, you know, where I take stuff that isn't working or I rewrite or cut them out and well, maybe I want something from this later. Maybe yes, maybe no. I don't know. But it gives me a place to put it. I never look in that dump thing. I've never taken anything back out of dump. But I keep it. I mean, it's, it's there. It's my security blanket. You know, okay. I haven't thrown the baby out with the bath water, you know. The baby's in the dump. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, we were talking beforehand about rejections and one of the uh, markets <laughs> I started out in Isaac Asimov science fiction magazine uh, that's where I got my Hugo and Nebula and all this other good stuff and it was like uh, in fact at one point after one year of writing I had yeah, it was owned by Curtis Publications there and then and I had Curtis Publications record for the most words purchased from any writer. And I did that in one year. And then the editor, then George Sithers got fired. They, they shuffled around editors for a while and then a guy came in and 
for the last uh, God, how many years has it been? He was he was there for a, he was there for a long. Couldn't sell a thing. Didn't matter. What, some of the best stuff I ever wrote, you know, to get a really nice rejection slips. It was driving me crazy. And what got me is uh, I went to Northeast Con three. The last time I saw Isaac Asimov uh, was at Northeast Con three, and uh, he uh, said that you know he hadn't seen me in the magazine, you know, for a long time. And uh, he really wanted to see me in the magazine again. I spent a year breaking my back. And I, 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 read, I, I, I ought to make a book on these stories, uh, really good stories. And couldn't sell a one. Uh, the point being is that editors buy what they like, which doesn't make a thing good or bad. And it's not that you have to fit within a certain slot. You know, you know, try and find out what this guy's particular formula is to sell there. And, uh, that's one way of doing it. But the trouble is, if you do that, you don't wind up writing your own stories. My theory is everybody is unique. And we all got here from wildly different routes. If you could look into my brain for a second, you'd run screaming from the room. You know, my view is that much different than yours. And that goes for each of you. There's more difference between any two of you than there is between any two species on this planet. You humans are that different. And if you write your own stories, using the storytelling skills that are there, but if you wind up writing your stories through your eyeballs, your way, you have necessarily got to come up with something unique. Whether editors are going to like them or not is, uh, in my mind, secondary. Third year. Third year. Tertiary? Anyway, <laughs> way down there. Because, as, as I'll never forget uh, the convention I was at. Uh, a long time ago, a very famous writer was slightly in his cups, but he was uh, telling me that I did everything they told me to do, and I made a fortune doing it. But I never got to write my own stories, and now I don't think I can. And that put a chill on me, because one of the things that, uh, I don't know, people never talk about is writing for Fun. There's a lot of people that play music, you know, got a guitar, play, you know, you, because you're not making a million dollars playing music doesn't mean you're a failure. It means that, you know, you play the guitar, you're not doing it for profit. And being able to write your own stories is very, I, I look at, you know, the worst case scenario is like old Vincent Van Gogh there. He never sold a thing in his entire life. You're selling now, though, you know, I suppose I get I could stand being a legend, you know, after I croak. You know, we'd like to see the name in print now, but if you want, if you if you're writing your own stories, what you get out of that is I don't know, I can't explain it. It's uh, it's like finding pieces of yourself and becoming a whole person. Uh, I don't know who said it, but you know, every every bit of writing you do is a process of self-discovery. And this is not necessarily true because there are a lot of people trying to write 
other people's stuff. Because, you know, what, what, what's the, uh, the common wisdom you get from editors? You know, go buy a few copies of our magazine, read them, see what we're buying, go forth and do likewise. Okay, you're going to go write somebody else's stories. Yeah, okay. Uh, actually, there are people who make a living at that. But if you don't write your own stories, uh, you don't get that unique, you, you, you don't, I don't know, there's a whole business of uh, grabbing something that nobody's ever seen before. And that's what you, every one of you's got in your head, something nobody's ever seen before. And you stick it out. You know, that, that's, that's the best example I have is, is my story, Enemy Mine. Okay, two enemies are stranded on a desert island. They have to cooperate together to survive. Ooh, boy, is that original, you know. But through my eyes, it became something different. Because I, 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 didn't, I didn't look at what had gone before and what other people had done. I was focused on my story. You know, what I wanted to, I, know, I didn't even do it that way. I, it's not like what I wanted to expect. I was in there, I was living that thing. You know, that's how I write. You know, I, I get to go to these places and meet these cool people and take notes along the way. And when I come out the other end, then I rewrite. <laughs> But uh, I don't know, it's the thing that saved, saved my sanity in the writing business is finally getting down to never writing anything that, that the writing itself wasn't sufficient reward for doing it. You know, if, if the damn thing doesn't sell, that, you know, I won't be real happy about it, but the story will still be important to me. More important than whether it's sold or not. I don't, I don't know about cracking markets. I, I, actually, I did publish a mystery story once, maybe in 78, a long time ago. I visited George Sithers at his office at Asimov's, and uh, Curtis Publications was doing uh, Alfred Hitchcock's magazine. Eleanor Sullivan was the editor, and he introduced me to her. And she said, oh, you must write a story for me. And me, this is the first year I've been selling anything, you know. Editor is saying, you must write a story for me. All right. You know, so I went and bought a couple of, because I never read any short mystery stories. I went and bought a couple of copies out from Hitchcock, sat down here. Okay, you know, figured out what the formula was, you know, cranked out a thing called Slaughterhouse, sent it in. She published it. I have hated that story ever since. Because there's absolutely nothing of me in that story. <laughs> you know, nothing except a sale. The text of this recording is copyright 2008 by Barry B. Longyear. The sound recording is copyright 2008 by Odyssey Writing Workshops.